sir. Okay, was that a minute? Close enough. Thanks guys. All right, I wasn't supposed to be on this morning, it was someone else, but um, circumstances, and so here I am. Um, <laughs> thank you for your vote of confidence, that's terrific. Awesome, all right, um, if you've got your Bibles there, Open them up to John chapter 5, 1 to 8. Now, now I know that I actually spoke on this uh, passage uh, probably a month and a half ago. I'm just letting you know that I'm not reheating an old sermon that quickly, all right? Um, I'm drawn to this passage because of what it contains. You know, the, the rabbis used to say that the word of God was like a diamond with 700 faces, uh, which meant that you could look at it so many different ways and see so many different things. Uh, you've ever had that experience where you read something and it means something to you one day and then you read it a couple of days later and you see something you've never seen before? Yeah, that's what I'm doing here. I'm not just reheating an old sermon, okay? So John chapter 5, because I want to use this as our getting into ready for the next 40 days of praying for breakthrough. And this morning, what I want to talk about is our part in the breakthrough or our part in our own breakthrough, Okay. Who wants to see things change for them? Who wants to see things change for them? Who wants God to move some mountains for them? Yeah? Let me ask you another question. Who wants to change? Who wants to be moved? Yeah. yeah. We say that now, don't we? Yeah. I know the right answer. Jesus. Yeah, you can't go wrong, can you? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. We want to see things change, but who actually wants to be changed. Yeah, we say we do, but sometimes I'm not so sure about that. So here's the thing I want us to consider this morning. What if it's not either or? What if the way that God changes things around us is by changing things in us? Hmm? What if the way God changes things around us or for us is actually by changing things in us? Who's up for that? There's this story in Matthew 9 and uh, Jesus is out in the villages and towns and he's teaching and he's healing people and whatever and there are just throngs and throngs and throngs, masses of people all around and it says that Jesus looks at them and he sees that they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd and says he's moved with compassion and he says to his disciples, look the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few, pray therefore that God will raise up workers for his harvest and I imagine at that time they were like, absolutely. Let's pray that God will raise up people to get this harvest in. These people need help. They need Jesus. They need the kingdom. They need this stuff. You know, God send out Benjamin. He just sits at home playing on his PlayStation. And, you know, God send out Simon. He doesn't do anything except look after the ox or whatever it happens to be. But then you get to verse 10 and the very first verse in verse 10 says this. Just after telling them, pray that God will send people out into the harvest field. The very first verse in verse 10 says he called his disciples to them and he gave them authority to drive out spirits and to heal sickness and then he sent them out oh 
Who thought they'd be their answer to their own prayer? Who thought that when God was going to raise up people for the harvest, he was going to start with the people who were praying for it? But sometimes that's the way it goes. You know, I'm all for God changing things, but I want him to change things out there. And I often wanted to use it other people. And we have this problem in church sometimes, don't we? God send revival. When was the last time you spoke to someone about Jesus? God, give us the resources we need to do our mission. When was the last time you put your hand in your pocket? God, make this place, make this church really warm and welcoming. Are you prepared to go up and speak to someone you've never met before? Sometimes we're the answers to the prayers we pray. And as I say, I'm all God for, changing, for God for changing things and I'm particularly all for him using other people to do it. But am I willing to be changed? Am I willing to be used? Am I willing to have to sacrifice and to be made uncomfortable in order to see the outcomes I say that I want? Sometimes that's a completely different story. Now we're going to pray during these 40 days and we're going to ask God to do what only God can do because there are things that only God can do, Yes. We need him to move mountains. We need him to do that stuff that's immeasurably more than all we are even capable of imagining. You know, sometimes we just need God to come in and just do miraculous, miraculous big stuff, okay? But there's also some stuff we may have to do if we want to see things change. And so we come to this story in John chapter 5 that I want to look at this morning, the healing of the lame man around the pool of Bethesda. And if you've got the Bibles there, I'm going to start reading from verse 1. So sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of those Jewish festivals, or for one of the Jewish festivals, not one of those Jewish festivals. Um, <laughs> you know, one of those Jewish festivals? One of the Jewish festivals. Uh, <laughs> now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralysed, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? When Jesus had learned that he had been in this condition a long time. That's the stuff that jumped out for me. And you know what the problem with a long time is, besides being a long time? When anything takes a long time, you know what the problem is? We begin to normalise it don't we? When something's been something a certain way for a long time, it becomes our new normal. It becomes routine. It becomes the thing we're used to. That's just the way it is. And we, we fall into acceptance and resignation of things. It used to be a um, bit of a spectator sport in our, last, in our last church to watch me walk out of my office and into the kitchen. And the reason it was, was because inevitably inevitably, without fail, I would walk out of my office and walk immediately into the door jam of the kitchen, right? Usually on my right side. And so when people knew that I was coming out, they used to stand and watch. <laughs> Boom, yes, he did it. They were pretty sure they were taking bets at some point, okay? Now, sadly, that could be true for a lot of doors in, in my case. And the reason was, I, there was a, a period of time, probably about 10 years, where I would just get terrible eye strain and terrible headaches and I'd sit with my head on the side like this and that's and I just kind of like this is my lot you know I went to the doctor I had no one could find out why I was having all these pains and, and anyway I went to the optometrist because it was you know time to go and get my script checked and everything so I went to a different optometrist this time and she said to me um like how do things go for you normally and I said 
what, you mean apart from sitting like this, having eye strain, headache, and walking into door jams all the time? She said, yeah, apart from that. I said, it's dandy, everything's fine. And she said, because I'm looking at your script here, and all your scripts are for short-sightedness in your right eye. And I went, yeah. And she goes, you're not short-sighted in your right eye. You've got a really bad stigmatism, which is something to do with the curvature of the eye. And it, it's not being corrected. So everything that's going on is your eye trying to compensate against a lens which is set for a problem you don't have. I'm thinking, this has been like 10... Where do some of these optometrists go to school? <laughs> Don't they just get on the internet and go, that looks like a good qualification? I'll, I'll find some second-hand equipment set myself up. I mean, how did they miss this? <laughs> for 10 years, I've been walking around like, you know, um, and banging into things. And, you know, with astigmatism, um, depth perception is one of the things that's actually it becomes a problem. It's still a problem because I've got great muscle memory. I just walk into things automatically. But, <laughs> but here's the thing. I, for ten, over 10 years, I just accepted this was the way it was. I resigned myself to this was my normal. This was my life. This is how I was going to have to function. I was just going to have to take Panadol and I was just going to have to deal with eye strain most of my life. I accepted it. Just because something's been some way for a long time doesn't mean that it has to stay that way. And just as importantly, or probably even more importantly, just because something is that way doesn't mean that God wants it to be that way either. When we fall into that sort of thinking and we just resign ourselves or we assume that, that this is the way God must want it to be, that sort of thinking is called fatalism. It's not Christianity. And we are not in the hands of fate, we are in the hands of God. Yeah? Okay? We are not in the hands of fate, we are in the hands of God. Just because the thing has been a certain way doesn't mean it's supposed to stay that way and it doesn't mean that God wants it to stay that way either. Now perhaps one of the first things we need to face up to is whether or not we believe things could or even should be different for us in some situations. Maybe we need to start thinking about whether or not we've accepted things that maybe we shouldn't accept. We've resigned ourselves. We've allowed a new normal to creep in that really shouldn't be our new normal. And it might be. It might be our normal. I mean, you remember the story of Paul in Corinthians where he said um, he was afflicted by something? No one exactly knows what that is. Some people say it's baldness. That's true. That is true. Some people have said it was baldness. Just get on with your life. Um, but three times he prayed for God to remove this affliction. Um, and, and, and God didn't. God said to him in the end, my grace, my, my empowering presence is sufficient for you, Paul. That's what's going to happen. I'm not taking that thing away, but I'm going to empower you and strengthen you to live with that thing. For whatever reason, we're not told the reason, but that was the answer so maybe we've prayed and that's the answer we've got but if you're just accepting a situation and you're, you've prayed about it and nothing has changed and you've drawn the conclusion then that was my answer God this is the way God wants it to be don't stop there if, if, you, if God wants you to have it that way let God be clear to you about that's the situation he's going to leave you in Get that answer, get that confidence, get that peace, whatever form it takes. Get that thing where you know, no, I really, I have prayed about this and I have a real peace that God has said to me, this is the way it is. If you haven't had that, 
Don't assume that just because it hasn't changed that that's God's answer. You know, Jesus actually spoke into this quite a bit. He anticipated the fact that there will be times when we will pray and we will ask God to do things and nothing will happen, at least not immediately. There is this thing about delayed response. And again, prayer is a mystery and I don't pretend to understand it. I don't get how it all works. All I know is we're told to pray and God is responsible for the answers. We have to do our bit. He has to do his bit. That's there you go. There's seven years worth of theological education right there, okay? I had to put that into a 20,000-word sermon. I just repeated myself a lot, but there we go. So I don't understand how it all works, but we're told to pray, and Jesus anticipates there's going to be times where we pray, and nothing seems to happen. And so he says sometimes, ask, seek, knock. But those words, those verbs are in the present continuous tense, which means it goes like this, ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking, seek and keep on seeking. You're not to give up, for whoever asks and keeps on asking will receive. Whoever seeks and keeps on seeking will find, and whoever knocks and keeps on knocking will get an answer. So there is this keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. He also tells a parable in Luke about a persistent widow, although the word persistent is a very poor translation. It, it could actually be more accurately translated pugilistic who knows what pugilistic means and then she's about to punch someone she is in fact when you read it and you, you have to look at some of the words this woman is going to punch someone because in her situation there's a judge in the town who doesn't care about God and he doesn't care about her and he's denied her justice rather than go home and go well that's my lot in life that's the end of it and just living with it she goes to this guy and she refuses to let go she refuses to let him get away with it she refuses to allow that circumstance to be unchanged and Luke puts his little editorial comment in at the end which says and in this way Jesus was telling us that we should pray and never give up right so so there are times where we're going through a thing and it's not changing and we pray and God says, no, look, that's just the way it's going to be. It might be forever, it might be for a time, but right now that's your answer, in which case, fine, we make our peace with that and we move on. But there are other times, unless we have that certainty, unless we have that clarity, we should not accept our situations that we know are not the ones that God would want us to have and we need to press in and do something about it. We need to ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. We need to persist. We need to refuse to let go. Now, just for clarification, that Luke story, often when Jesus tells story, you know, uh, tells a parable, it's often to say, you know, God is this character. God is not a judge who doesn't care about us and our situation. It's a compare and contrast thing. And in that kind of way, Jesus is kind of saying, you know, if this woman is able to get that guy who doesn't give a rip about anyone or anything to do something... Seriously, guys, if you pray to a God who loves you and cares about you, how much easier is that going to be? Right? That's the point of that, all right? Not that God is reluctant, not that God's up there going, you're not trying hard enough. I'm going to hold back from you. I'm going to make you really work for this one. He's not doing that at all. He's just, it's about our persistence, our refusal to allow something that approximates injustice Let's extrapolate that out and say something that we know is not God's will for our life because it's the antithesis of what the kingdom is about. It's the antithesis of what the king is about. Okay? We refuse to settle for those situations, press in and see them changed. Just because something hasn't changed doesn't mean it's not going to. It doesn't mean it is God's will for our life. Sometimes we just need to keep at it until it does. So my question to you this morning is, is there anything in your life that you have normalised that maybe you should not have normalised? Is there anything in your life that is now routine, something that you have accepted 
Because, and if the only reason is circumstantial, it hasn't changed. You've asked and it hasn't changed. Are you accepting something that maybe is not God's best for you? That even goes against what you may even want? We, we had a, a situation, I'm not sure if I've told you this story, we had a situation in our last church. There was a, there was a girl in our church and she was, um, she, was, she was a lovely girl. She was smart, she was attractive, but for the life of her, she couldn't find a, a man, right? And we remember Heather and I were talking to her about that and she had accepted that this, that this was what God wanted for her life. And so we just said, we asked a really probing question, a very personal question. We said, do you have the gift of celibacy? Now, you know what the gift of celibacy is, don't you guys? It means you don't have any need of adult cuddles, okay? <laughs> Mummy, daddy cuddles, all right? That's, we'll just use that language, all right? So you don't have that sort of need. And she said, no, I do not have the gift of celibacy. And we said, then why would, why would God make you be single if you don't have that gift? Now, it can be a choice. The Bible's clear about that. Some people make that choice. Have you made that choice? No. Then why don't we pray that God meets that desire for you to have a companion in life? And we prayed, and she did. See, sometimes we fall into the trap of going, it is the way it is and nothing's going to change. And then to make ourselves feel better about it, we say, well, it must be what God wants for me. And because I want to be a good God person, I'll just accept that. There are times where we need to, but there are equally times where we don't need to do that. And that's what I want to ask you this morning. Are you settling for something that maybe you should not be settling for? And do you need to ask and keep on asking, do you need to go to the judge and say, I refuse to stop badgering you until I get what I want? That's something to think about this morning. Maybe the first change that needs to happen is in our thinking. Breakthrough begins by us having a really good hard look at what we really think and believe because what we really think and believe is what we're going to act on, not what we say we think and believe. And why does that matter? Because our faith matters. Our faith matters. We're not going to persist if we don't really believe something either. It's a vital part of the partnership that we have with God. I ask, I persist, I bring the faith, God does the answering and somehow things begin to happen. But if we've already made up our mind that this is the way it is and forevermore shall be, we will not bother to ask. We will, won't even probably probably go through the motions for that long either so we need to ask ourselves why and sometimes getting to the why that takes a lot of work too one of my mentors um, a, a year or so ago we were talking about the things I ask for in prayer and he said have you want to you know have you would you think about asking God for this particular thing I won't say what it was and I said no why would I why would I pray for that and he said, because that's something you really want and it's something God might want to actually do for you. And so I, you know, of course I shot back to him, I think God's got bigger fish to fry, you know. Have you seen the state of the world? Do you really think that he cares about this particular thing when this, 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 this is going on? 
And he's like, mm-hmm, so what, you're, you're kind of telling me that you know, God's got limited capacity? And I was like, yeah, let's not get into the fine print. Let's just shut up. You know, just listen to me. Um, you know, this is, I, this is what I'm dealing with is a real first world problem, okay? So we'll be, we'll be right. You know, so I kept trying to push past it like that. Um, and, but he just wouldn't let go. And he said, why, why is it? Do you think he can't do that for you? And I said, no, of course he can do that for me. Um, he can do anything, can't he? Like, yeah. Do you think he wants to? I said, well, he's a good God. He wants to do all sorts of nice things for people. Then why don't you think he'll do it for you? And I thought, because I, thought, I don't deserve it. And he went, there you go. And I went, and? Because for me, it was like, that's it. I don't deserve it. End of story. And we talked around that a little bit. No way. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it in the sense that I've earned it, you know what I mean? But there's this kind of happy middle ground that I, I was failing to occupy, that, 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 you know, that my stuff just doesn't matter because there's, there's all this other big stuff going on in the world. And we talked around the whole idea about God just being a good father and me being a father. Would I do something nice to my children just because it was in my power to do it? Yes, I would. Then what makes me better than God? Yeah. You know, if, I, if it was in my power to do something nice for my children just for the sake of doing it, would I do it? Yes, I would. Then why wouldn't God do that for you? I tell you guys enough that what matters to you matters to God, but it's a, a bridge I hadn't been prepared to cross myself. So what I'm saying in all of that is that sometimes we think the why is really, we've got the theological argument, we've got the rational argument, we've got something to push back on and say, this is why I don't expect this thing to change. Mm, that might be your surface argument, but if we got underneath, there may be some layers there. There may be some deeper stuff that we need to get to that's all about how you see God and what you expect from God, how you think God thinks about you, what you think God is prepared to do for you. And they're big issues that we need to wrestle with. And that's where I think in this breakthrough time, you know, some of this is going to be a breakthrough in terms of our own thinking and understanding about our relationship with God and our, that dynamic that plays out between us. That's where some of the change is going to occur. That's where some of the freedom is going to occur for some of us, to the point that we may even not balk at asking for some things going forward, which means there'll be a whole bunch of stuff that has never changed because we've never asked because we never thought we were worthy to be able to ask or we thought it was too piffly to ask about. God may change us in that process. So is there anything that's gone on for a long time that is now your normal? Have you given up? Why have you given up? Are you prepared to do something about it? Are you prepared to revisit this, to get to the bottom of why that is and then persist in asking to see God do something? Let's move along. When Jesus learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Well, of course, the answer to that is of course. And in the last time we looked at this, I looked at some reasons why perhaps he didn't want to get well. And you're going to have to get the podcast if you want to hear those things. I'm not going to repeat it. It's on iTunes, uh, like us, and um, <laughs> it's, on, it's on iTunes on the Restore Church podcast, which I'm told this morning is now gone as far as Canberra, international ministry, all right, <laughs> international for my purposes, um, that'll do. Okay, so... Do you want to get well? Of course. But what if the question is not, do you want to get well? But do you want to get well? See, it depends on where you put the emphasis, doesn't it? 
someone's awake. <laughs> do you want to get well? Yeah, of course. No. Do you, do you want to get well? Like I said, the idea of praying for breakthrough is enticing because who doesn't want to see God change things around them? Who doesn't want to see God do things for them? We've all got stuff that we want to see change, relationships, finances, health, employment, but who's prepared to be changed? Now, I'm not saying it's wrong for us to pray that God will change the stuff around us. I'm encouraging us to pray for God to change the things around us, but while we're doing this, to be open to the idea that for things to change around us and for us, maybe things need to change in us first. So we're praying for that promotion at work. And we're praying God's favour on our life that the boss will see in you what you see in you. That you, God's favour will be all over you and you will get that promotion. But maybe God is saying to you, maybe you need to see what the boss is seeing. And maybe the boss isn't seeing promotion material, maybe the boss is seeing performance management material. We want that relationship to change. And we're praying God will change that relationship and heal that idiot who just doesn't understand and see things the way that you see things and is just really unsupportive and doesn't get you the way that you should be God. And God turns around and says, well, you're right, there is an idiot involved in this. <laughs> but just let's turn the focus around a wee bit. Oh, ta-da, it's you. You know what I mean? How many of us pray for relationships to be healed with the assumption that it's the other person's fault? <laughs> Thank you, Barry. Two honest people. Two honest people amongst here. It's because we're healed and secure, brother. That's what it's all about. Okay. Maybe that relationship will change if you change. But you've got to be open to that. We want God to give us financial breakthrough. We want more money. We want more opportunities. We want more security. We look to heaven to sort of do some sort of miracle and God says, I want to do a miracle, but it's in the way you spend your money. And actually, it's deeper than that. It's those drivers that cause you to spend the money the way you do. And if we deal with that thing in you and you start getting your finances under control, then guess what? When you're faithful with little, I will actually make you faithful with much. But I can't give you much until you're faithful with little. See, maybe while we're waiting for everything else to change, God is going, let's just start with what is within your control right now. Because there's a lot of stuff that's completely outside of our control, namely everything beyond ourselves. And maybe God is just wanting to say, let's just start with what? The ball that is in your court right now, let's deal with that. Let's deal with that and then see where that starts to go. I want things to be different going forward, but the reality is maybe it's only going to be different if I'm different going forward. Do you want to get well? Hmm, that's a different question. Do you want to get well? It's a tougher ask. The problem is not always out there. So if we're serious about seeing breakthrough, what we need to do is stop externalising both the cause and the possible cure. Because both of those things may be a little bit closer to home than we realise. The cause of the problem and the solution to that problem may well and truly be within us. 
So when Jesus asked the man if he wanted to get well, the man answered, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And Jesus said, that's not what I asked you. I said, do you want to get well? I can't get in the water. What's he doing? Shifting the blame. Making excuses. I hear people do this. Did you hit your sister? Yeah? But she exists. <laughs> Don't you love yeah but answers? That's what this is. It's a yeah but answer. Did you do that thing I asked you to do? No. But there was a solar flare and it affected everything. I have used that. Adrian did not do his assignment today. There was a solar flare a millennia ago and it impacted his computer. Right. Do you want to get over this particular thing? Yes. But they won't own up to their part in it. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? The yeah but answers? I love an excuse as much as anyone. I use them regularly. Okay? But the key to change externally and internally is to stop making excuses. It's to own what we need to own. To fess up to it. You know, and the Bible talks about this. And it's not that makes you a bad person. All the Bible ever says about this is if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's only ever forgiveness and healing at the end of this stuff for us, not condemnation. But we struggle because we feel there is going to be condemnation or we pile the condemnation on ourselves and we don't have a right to do that because we are forgiven. That's what the cross is all about, yeah? Sometimes we have to own our stuff. It's not that thing out there. It's not that person. Sometimes the change is being held up because we're not prepared to own our stuff and to get healed or to repent or course correct or whatever it is that we need to do. We're not prepared to do that stuff. And it's not like there's no truth to the excuses. Sometimes there are factors to be considered. Sometimes there are obstacles and impediments. There are other people. They may be reasons, but they don't have to become excuses for us not doing it anything anything about it it's true this guy had no one to help him into the water but you know if you really want to be well you'd do everything you could over 38 years to find your way into that water wouldn't you you know you'd, you'd buy a skip the line ticket you'd be there early you know you'd be parking yourself down the front you'd be doing whatever it took you'd sleep in the water overnight if necessary if you really want to be well you'll find a way of trying to get that done so here's the thing that this throws up. If the issue isn't out there, if the cause, if the, 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 the thing why it's not happening isn't out there, and sure there are obstacles, and, but they're not insurmountable, then maybe it's in here. And maybe keeping the cause out there stops us from having to think and do the hard work about what's going on in here. Because none of us like to look in the mirror, do we? None of us like to look in the mirror, but that's where the healing, that's where the breakthrough starts, is by looking in here. Maybe we just have no real hope that things could ever change. Maybe that's our situation. And that's hard, to, that's hard when you say that out loud. You know, we might think it, but to actually admit to ourselves, you know what, the reason I don't expect change, the reason I don't ask God to change anything is because I have no hope 
things are going to change. Saying that out loud is hard, but it will, un- it will unlock something because then you can deal with that issue. You have no hope. Let's, let's delve into that. Maybe we really don't want it that much. Maybe we think we do, but maybe we really don't. And again, saying that out loud, you know what, I say I want this, but the reality is I can take it or leave it. Great, you've just absolved yourself from having to worry about that. Maybe we know it's us and we don't want to change. Maybe, again, we don't want to look in that mirror because it's just too hard, the things that it's going to throw. And I don't want to have to deal with that stuff. Maybe, ironically enough, it's a way of keeping hope alive. You know, there's a reason I never try out for the Olympics. It's so as long as I never do, I always believe I could. There are other reasons, of course. (laughs) Ribbon twirling, I think I'd be quite good at that. But you know what I mean? Sometimes we don't allow ourselves to think about a thing and to go for a thing because we're afraid that if the answer's no, that's going to be our undoing. And I would rather keep the hope alive that there is the possibility than have the door slammed in my face where that hope is taken away from me. And if you never go for something and and you never get the no answer, at least hope lives, at least for a while. But that's actually a short-term game Because the Bible tells us that hope that is constantly deferred eventually makes us heartsick. And when we're heartsick, we start to move into the area of regret. And if part of the reason we aren't prepared to go for something is because we are afraid of being told no, or we are afraid of disappointment, then that is a short-term tactic. It will only hold for so long because at some point, that hope will actually make us heartsick and that heartsickness will then turn into regret. Now, hope is a powerful thing and disappointment is a bitter pill to swallow. But regret for never having tried is far more difficult to live with, yes? It is. Hope hope is powerful. Disappointment's bitter. But getting to a stage in life where you've left something untested and untried, ungone for, because you just wanted to avoid disappointment. At some point, that, as time inevitably marches on, that opportunity for that thing disappears and we are left simply with regret. And I think I would rather be disappointed up front than live in regret later, yes? But we never know unless we ask. So then Jesus said to him, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. What did this guy have to do to have his breakthrough? He had to get up and walk. Jesus didn't David Copperfield levitate him, right? He said, mate, you want to walk? Get up. He had to do something. He had to initiate. He had to take a step. What's your get up? What's the thing you're praying about, but what's the thing you need to do to initiate that? You want to see that relationship healed? Do you need to pick up the phone and make an appointment? Do you want to turn your finances around? Then maybe you need to start honouring God now with what you've got. Maybe you need to plant a seed somewhere. Maybe you need to say, I want to see this outcome. I'm going to put this much money in there because I believe that is what God is going to do. 
You want to see more people come to know Jesus? You want to see this place filled? You want to see your relatives and your friends saved? Talk to them about Jesus. Invite them to church. Do whatever it takes. Do something to see that breakthrough. It's partnership stuff, this breakthrough stuff. We've got a part to play that goes beyond simply just asking. That's important. And we need to persist in it and we need to do so with faith. But we have to be active. We have to be participants in our own breakthrough. We have to give God something to work with as well. So what's your bit in the things that you want to see changed, in the things we as a church want to see changed? What are you prepared to do about that? So guess what I'm saying in all of this and I'll finish with this. Let's pray and let's expect God to do amazing things incredible things i love that it says immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine right so the best that i can ask for and the best that i can imagine is just the starting point he's not limited to that he's going to do what he's going to do right so he's going to do beyond what we can expect but let's be wide open to seeing what we also might need to see change in here before we expect god to change things for us and around us let's be prepared and open for god to change things in us as well amen do you want to get well it's amazing how much changes around us when things change in us yeah all right we're going to take some communion now it's at the sides and it's at the back and again let's just start kicking off this 40 days by asking that question god i don't know where this is all going to go but I am prepared to be open to whatever it is you need to show me about me that needs to change. Today, I'm either willing or I'm willing to be willing. Uh, let, let's just start this process today as we take just some time to sit there with communion. All right? Thanks. Thanks.